And we are talking travel, Sally Lucas and I. Now, the Pacific Pearl was in port. She was, and that was a shame. It was such a rotten day for her and all her passengers. I mean, it just bucketed down all day. So, you know, it's a shame we couldn't showcase our lovely beaches and tourist areas as well as we could have. But having said that, of course, we are still getting cruise ships coming into Newcastle, which is a wonderful thing, and we are very lucky to have that. And also it stimulates our economy, of course, as well as introducing other overseas guests, you know, to, to our part of the world. So um, I did an inspection of the vessel the other day when it was in port, and um, I just thought I'd let people know a little bit about the vessel if they were thinking of going on it. Um, so she's about 63,500 tonnes and takes 1,800 passengers, got 11 decks, and was built in about 1987. So just to give you an idea what's on some of these decks, of course, a couple of them are just accommodation-only decks, so you're not interrupted by entertainment, of course. Uh, it makes it quieter for sleeping, etc. But on the other decks, for example, down the lower deck on deck two, they've got an aqua spa and fully equipped gym. And I mean a fully equipped gym. It was huge. Um, and a very, um, you know, wonderful spa area with huge, big treatment rooms. You know, it wasn't pokey, um, hairdressing salon, all of that. So that they have massage therapies and all the usual things you would have in any spa treatment uh, setup, uh, including detox treatments, metabolic assessments in the gym, uh, personal training, um, nutritional consultations. They do health seminars. They run a boot camp at sea and uh, all sorts of things. And also- so I dare say you need that if you're on the ship and eating and perhaps well, not doing too much exercise. Exactly, and I think that's a great idea. Very that- good offsetting. Yes, and they also have a um, some other health practitioners on board, acupuncturists and so on, and apparently they can even relieve the symptoms of motion sickness now with acupuncture, which would save you having drugs, of course. So that's all down on Deck 2. Deck 4 has a full medical centre. We always hope you're not going to need to use that, but of course, in case it is fully equipped with nurses and doctors, so you know that you're going to be well looked after if anything d- does happen. Um, deck 5 is the main reception area, and it's the start of a three-level atrium which starts then and goes up for three levels Um, and down on that area as well as reception you've got an internet facility area where you can check your shipboard account uh, on a you know on a screen etc the casino is on that level as well and they also have a little cafe and lounge area which becomes a bar at night Um, deck six you've got a shopping arcade and cocktail bars deck seven is the main waterfront restaurant and I was quite pleasantly surprised at how they'd laid it out a lot of these ships you go on, it's one big open restaurant and you feel like you are eating with hundreds of people, whereas they've sort of divided this up so you don't feel that you're only eating in one smaller-sized restaurant. So it was quite well designed and you're looking out over the bow of the ship as well, so that was nice. Um, they've also got a few bars on that level, the Orient Bar, the Oval Bar, the Connections Bar. Then they've got a theatre which seats over 1,500, um, a two-level theatre, and they run two shows a night so no one misses out. Um, and also they have an adults-only stand-up comedy night and they do also have other feature nights like you know dress-up nights country and western pirate nights etc they have a scavenger hunt which is really popular apparently um they give you this list of things you've got to try and find um how to get to know the ship exactly it's a good way to get i tell you what what we did in an hour was the biggest step class i've ever done we didn't even use the lift so we're going from deck seven to deck 14 to here to there oh my gosh we all felt we didn't know to go need to go to the gym again for about a week um there's another cocktail lounge on that deck as well, which is really quite intimate and little like alcoves and where they have um, entertainment and serve cocktails. Deck 8 has an over-18 only 
outdoor bars, so no kiddies. So you do get some adult-only time, and they have lovely jacuzzi and sun lounges, etc. there, and also there's a lounge on that level with um, for a quiet reading area, and that also has internet facilities. Um, decks 9, 10 and 11 are basically all accommodation. They do have children's centres there, though, and they cater for all ages. They divide them up, 3 to 6-year-olds, 7 to 10, and they also have one for the teens as well, uh, which is on an upper deck as well. So that's fantastic. And they have the main restaurant, which is Waterfront. They've got a... Uh a buffet restaurant as well if you just want buffet style rather than table service for breakfast, lunch, dinner. They also have um, Salt Grill by Luke Mangan. So he's got a little restaurant on board with intimate dining. It's an extra $40 per person, which you book on board, but you get a wonderful four-course degustation meal. Um, they've got a chocolate cafe if you can want to indulge yourself in chocolate. There's an oriental restaurant, a sauna and a steam room. Then right up on the top with a 270-degree sweeping view over the ship's bow is what they call the dome with this great big glass dome and it's a, a circular room for late-night entertainment and, and dancing with live bands. So, yeah, it, it has a lot to offer on board for all ages. I feel. Is the Pacific Pearl coming back to Newcastle? Well, we hope so. Um, they've, they've been gradually, a lot of the Pacific vessels have been coming in here, like we've had Jewel and Pearl, and that a lot of them are going through a bit of refits as well, bit by bit. So we're hoping so, and I think that if we can support, um, actually, uh, the Complete Cruise Solutions, which is the umbrella under which we have Pacific Pearl, P&O, etc., Carnival, um, they're hoping this year they'll have their millionth passenger. Um, has come into Newcastle on their vessel. So that's quite an achievement when you think about it in a short time, and that's just with that particular company. So, yeah, just let's all support it, I guess, is the main thing we can say. And it was lovely to have her in port, and I just wish that she does come back so we can show her Newcastle and the Hunter under a better light. In the sun. Travel on to NURFM. Sally Lucas. The US Airlines have been charging people a little bit extra for luggage and taxes that haven't been transparent on their airline tickets. So there's a ruling being brought in this week that US Airlines and travel agencies and even online travel sites must include mandatory taxes and fees now in published airfares. So it just means it's going to be clearer for customers to ascertain the total price they'd have to pay for transportation before they travel, which I think is a much fairer and better way than you're being hit and slug with something when you check in at the airport. So you'll exactly know in advance now what your costs are if you're having to pay extra to take luggage or whatever. So this does take into effect this week. And I mean, it's not going to mean a huge increase in fees. I mean, it could add anything from, say, $3 up to $25, you know, for these different extra what they call passenger facility charges, airport fees, government fees, in addition to fuel surcharges, which are a separate thing altogether. Um, and also just to mention with the announcement that Qantas has announced airfares, I noticed on the news last night they were treating it like shock horror. I might just say to, to you out there that these fares we have now, as cheaper than they have ever been in the industry. So if they're whacking a $60 on an international ticket or 6 on a domestic, for heaven's sake, if you can't afford that, you shouldn't be travelling. That's my theory. But anyway, um, don't panic about it, and I'm sure that others will do this in due course. It's all to do with this supposed carbon tax anyway. So there you go. Now let's head to Europe. Anything? Yes, we'll head to something more exciting now than taxes and airfare increases. So um, Now I don't know how, Jane, what you conjure up in your mind when you think of Spain. 
But I guess to a lot of people, uh, it conjures up maybe Don Quixote, windmills, um, tapas, wine, festivals. Um, festivals they have lots of, as we all know, the running of the bulls and all sorts of things. So I just thought we, I was there last year and I did talk about Spain a little earlier, but I just thought I'd, I'd come back and talk about it a bit more again. Um, and of course, it is a, a country that um, I don't know, wears its emotions on its sleeve, let's say a little. Uh, it's very colourful, and I said particularly with all the festivals, it's, we were lucky enough to see one of them in Sevilla, where all the ladies dress up in the traditional flamenco-style dresses, even the little girls. And Sevilla, of course, some of us call it Seville, but Sevilla. when you've been to Spain, that's how you pronounce <laughs> Absolutely. it. Absolutely, have to and Ibiza. You know, not Ibiza, Barcelona. There's mm. <laughs> all you've got to learn these little things. A phrase book wouldn't go astray because you will find, because of the way they pronounce certain letters, if you pronounce it the way you think it is, you could be saying something quite rude. Ah, so you do need to know. If the little phonetic pronunciation of their letters of the alphabet so you don't get yourself into any hot water. <laughs> and back to Sevilla now. <laughs> yeah, back to Sevilla, where, of course, the we call them the oranges, where there are Seville oranges, but they're not good-eating oranges. They're, they're, they're mainly a decorative orange, and you find all the streets have got these beautiful trees laden with oranges, but they're quite bitter. So we eat, of course, the Valencia oranges, or Valencia um, of course, and that's where you do get those beautiful sweet tasting oranges and where they come from. Now, all these areas are, are quite beautiful and I was quite inspired by the architecture of Spain. I mean, it has been influenced, as we know, over the centuries by naturally the Romans who were everywhere in Europe, but with wonderful aqueducts, beautifully preserved aqueducts. It was amazing. And just lovely townships, medieval townships, you know, cobblestone streets, walled cities um, who, who were built that way, of course, to protect them from from whatever the on oncoming attackers were at the time. And the Moors left a wonderful range of architecture, the Moorish people, the Arabs. So you really have quite a potpourri of in influence in architecture. And also even the churches are a mishmash of different architectures sometimes. They're not traditional churches sometimes because in those days different religions shared churches. Isn't it a shame we can't do that anymore? How things have changed. I mean, there were far more you know, considerate of each other back then, I think, in lots of ways than we are now. And you found this was quite interesting in the influence that, you know, some of the churches had a combination of Christian plus the Muslim and, and they worked together and shared. So, yes, and you've got Madrid was a wonderful city, a wonderful capital city. They love statues. It's full of statues and fountains and wide-treed boulevards and beautiful museums. Um, the Prado in particular was a, a magnificent museum where you're seeing such fantastic artists. Um, and, of course, you've got Picasso's museum there as well, but he does have one also in Barcelona. These are all musts to see. And I think you, you go to Toledo and Segovia, which are beautiful, and then you've got Granada with the Alhambra Palace. Now, that was just amazing to think that was built as a summer palace. I mean, it's like a, a small city in itself. And again, the architecture varied as people kept adding to it. So just, just a beautiful place to visit if you're doing Granada. Make sure you do the Alhambra Palace. And, of course, they've got the coastal areas. You've got the mountains to the north, Santiago de Compostela with that wonderful walk of the Pilgrim's Route. So we could go on and on and on. I mean, Spain has a lot of areas 
areas, a lot of uh, to offer, a lot of different climbs. So always check your weather. There's some great websites you can look up for information on Spain, and you know just check your weather because it does vary greatly from north to south with the difference in the in the mountainous areas down to your coastal areas. But fabulous place to visit. It's it's good even for hiring a car. Um, if you want to go on to um, www.spain.info, you'll find lots of information and suggested routes to travel and vineyards to visit and all sorts of things. So a great a great holiday destination. And that's talking travel for today. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. The start of another year. I can't believe it. Well, it certainly is. And we'll be back talking travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news on two and you RFM.